Okay, guys, welcome to episode number 35 of the podcast. I'm delighted to welcome today's guest, Mr. Jack Kavanagh. He's a coach, he's a speaker, he's a pharmacist, um, and I robbed this from his uh, website, so uh, I think it sums up what, he, what he's about. So I strive to facilitate and empower people and teams that are engaged, resilient, willing to create space for curiosity, vulnerability, and insight, to build awareness and perspective, to understand and appreciate their potential to grow in it, into it, sorry, helping to reform, reframe adversities for possibilities. So I find that great. So reframing adversities for possibilities. Um, Jack himself has had to overcome a big adversity in his own life. And we'll touch on that as, as we go through the next 45 minutes or so. Um, and he has turned that into also helping others now f- to fulfill their own potential, um, which is which is pretty inspiring. So at the end of last week, we were back and forth. And Jack said, oh, I could do Monday at two. So I've been immersed in his world for the weekend. I've been stalking you, Jack, for a couple of days. Um <laughs> And I have a quote actually up on my gym, which I came up with about 10 years ago, and I think it sums up yourself and your story. So it's always look at what you can do, not what you can't. It's just a matter of finding a way. So I think that pretty much sums it up. So um, I think you guys are going to really enjoy the next 45 minutes. And without further ado, welcome, Mr. Jack Kavanagh, to the Studio 7 Fitness Podcast. Thank you, sir. How are you? No worries. How are you doing? Um, How's Dublin? You're in Dublin, aren't you? How's... Uh I'm I'm in County Meath and um, okay. yeah it's it's um, it's nice out. It's actually pretty mild, a little bit overcast, but um, but as long as the rain stays away, there's a smile on my face. Exactly, exactly. And I suppose pivotal day today, things are starting to reopen and stuff like that, which is great. So first question, I suppose, is just how have you been? I suppose the last fourteen, fifteen months yourself. Um, I know from just reading up on you and watching you, quite a, a sociable person. So, how has it been um, the last sort of since lockdown started for yourself, um, sort of professionally, personally? Yeah, well, I suppose personally, um, you're you're quite perceptive. I, I I do like to get out and mingle and, and be with with friends and and you know that social contact is a really important piece for me. And I really didn't understand how important it is for my well being yeah. until it was taken away um now people would always say oh you're 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 super um extroverted guy and um i actually probably think i'm i'm somewhere uh between uh, an extroverted introvert or an introverted extrovert i'm not sure (laughs) but um i i need a good bit of uh uh recovery time in my own space and so on so um initially i found that okay um, we had the good weather and so on, but then it really started to take a toll on me, um, particularly later in the summer last year. Um, I started to feel quite isolated, and it was funny because like I moved back to the home place, and um, I felt lonely, but I wasn't alone, if that makes sense. Does you? And um, so that was interesting for me, um, and particularly in the lead up to Christmas, uh, during those winter months, I found it quite tricky. Um, over the Christmas period and, and into kind of the darker months of the of the winter uh, that lack of connection um, with people physically was tough but you know what um, uh, professionally I had become self-employed about five months before COVID and I was really just getting the ball rolling and uh, nice momentum building yeah, and yeah, then yeah. then in the space of three days I had like Bang. everything that was uh, booked in cancelled and um so that was a bit of a, a gulp moment, but uh, 
you know what we bounced back and and um thought about how can i continue to be relevant and yeah. and add value and so on so um yeah you know i think we've all had to uh face ourselves and and the situations in which we are living and working over the last year and it's it's brought challenges for each of us but we've we've mostly come out on the right side yeah exactly and and we're nearly there which is uh, as i said yeah i think everyone's faced um plenty of of downs and uh over the last 15 months but it's uh i think it just you know you can just you can feel that bit of an air of of positivity coming back um and you know, it gave, for, for example, for myself and other people, maybe a bit of a kick to to do a bit more online stuff, which I wasn't doing. Do you know, so there's a there's a message in there. So, um, but uh, just to give you a bit of context. I met Jack a couple of months ago. We um, actually Dan Glynn, who was a previous guest, <clears throat> sort of the idea of bringing coaches, like-minded people, are from around the country together, and and Jack was in it, um, and he. Um, you know, he, he left impression on me for sure. So that's why I wanted to kind of connect with him. And on this, the last the one a couple of weeks ago, Jack had to jump off. Um, he had a, a group in. So there was a question. I think I sent it to you on Instagram and I, lo- I loved your answer to it. So basically we had a question at the end of the session. My greatest gift I bring is, you know, blank. So it went around the group and I sent it to Jack. And I don't know if you remember what you said, Jack, but it was in inspiring connection. Um maybe just maybe develop that for the guys i found that really great inspiring connection with people yeah um so i suppose probably what i meant by that is um inspiring connection not just with others but also with yourself yeah um you know i think we're we're always relating we're always uh in relationship um and relating and we're relating to to other people, to situations, to the places we find ourselves in. Um, but maybe we're not always aware of just how much we're relating to ourselves. And, you know, we're, we're constantly talking to ourselves. There's a narrative going on in there. And um, are we connected to that? And, and is that a, a narrative that is like supportive of us or, or is it beating us down all the time? Um, and, and I think when we uh, show up for ourselves and become more aware of that um, we can show up better for others the piece about uh, being inspired I, I often think about what does that word even mean yeah. um, and and if you think about it it actually means to breathe in um, that's literally what it means and and so I always think that um, to be inspired is is almost like to take in oxygen um, from from the outside to the inside when maybe you're going through a challenging time yeah. or or when things are going well and you need the extra bit of fuel on the fire you know yeah. um, to keep going and so so I would couple that like with trying kind of trying to inspire people to connect with themselves so that they can show up more for themselves and the people around them and yeah. then that benefits the world you know so um the little ripple effects start to spread yeah yeah no i love that and i remember you saying it on a podcast i listened to that you class yourself as an optimistic realist i love that and that's probably what i am actually um i thought as an op- optimist but i loved i loved that slant on it so um maybe develop that for the guys as well uh an optimistic realist yeah well i don't know if i naturally tend that way first of all but i work at it um yeah. and you know Optimistic realism for me um, 
came about at a time in my life, and I'm sure we'll get into it when, when I'd faced massive adversity, um, and my life had literally been turned upside down, and and I couldn't run away from the situation. You know, it's like any grief that you face, whether you lose someone or life a life altering. Um, event happens or, or whatever a number of other things happen where they're challenging scenarios um, you know you go through that period of grief and, and it's in th- going through the grief and being disillusioned and, and in denial and kind of bargaining and, um, and eventually you come to some sort of acknowledgement of reality before you ever get to acceptance um, if you get there but but dealing with reality is really important when you're at a place where where you can and so i think the first point for me first part of that is is facing the truth of our reality uh, as uncomfortable as that can often be um and and then the optimistic piece is uh, and with that it's like it's feeling the hurt that sometimes is involved in that and feeling the upset and the harshness and the pain um that comes with that sometimes and then the second piece of it is you know well how can i put an optimistic slant on that it's not like happy clappy positivity um because that just doesn't work um you know it's it's a short that that's a short-lived um solution um um but optimism says okay um this is a less than ideal scenario um what is like one small thing that I can do or change or one person I can reach out to um, to or whatever it might be to move me forward in a constructive way yeah. or at least to bring me back to, ba- to baseline um, and, and I like that idea of optimistic realism because it kind of acknowledges that you know what every day's not a good day uh, life is imperfect yeah. um, uh, in, in our days in our weeks and in our months but it says okay if i'm if i embrace the idea of trying to be an optimistic realist more of the time than not actually despite the challenges that i face i can continue to move the needle forward in the little ways that will ultimately add up over time yeah no i love that and it's and that's a little as you said that reframing which you put on your your website that you can make those okay well one thing i do now is to realign me um no, I really love that um, idea. Uh, now, just looking at, you've got a picture of a windsurf there behind you. So I know that was a big passion, of, um, well, it is a big passion of yours. And it was funny because when we were talking about, when you were talking about on a podcast about you heading, you used to spend a bit of time in the West. It was actually quite near where my dad's from. He's from Bangor area. So you're down Bermullet kind of, uh, you were down that neck of the woods, the Wild West, shall we say. A uh, beautiful part of the country. But uh, it was funny because I spent a lot of my childhood over in the West, my grandparents. Um, um, when I was like since I can remember every holiday would be over so it is a beautiful spot but you know talking about that passion and the passion you had for windsurfing and you know maybe share with the the listeners there I know you said you had a point you know just before that that life-altering um thing happened you were um you kind of had a good awareness of you were happy where you were and you're on the beach I remember you were setting the scene um and the sun was setting just just maybe run through that and obviously you had a huge passion for for windsurfing um and and maybe then obviously then you know unfortunately you know that you know that 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 was the same sort of summer or the same year that that it changed yeah and and you've teed it up beautifully there you know like coming through 
my teenage years I was like everyone going through the ups and the downs and the questioning um, that you go through and trying to understand how you fit in and yeah. like who who are your people and what do you care about and yeah. uh, and all of these kinds of things and um, you know I was really invested in sports I played rugby and I play I did a lot of running but I'd always been interested in water sports and and windsurfing became my biggest passion and it was like that place where where I just found myself in flow you know um, where you're completely yeah. in the moment and you lose track of time and and it's just magic and um, and so I became an instructor as a teenager I became a lifeguard um, and and so I would spend my summers uh, in my later teenage years working as an instructor on the beach during the summer I just thought dreams God, dreams like, dream job huh yeah what a better way to, to spend your time and it gave me more time on the water and um, I used to go down to uh, instruct in a place called Colossa in Ballymullet and it's an Irish water sports adventure camp um, for young people and I remember being down there one of the first days that summer and cycling off to the beach after work and I leaned my bike up against the sand dunes and I walked down onto Ellie Beach and as I strolled down the beach, you know, I'm looking out over the, the sunset and the breaking waves and I sat down and then I looked back down the beach, the only footprints in the sand were my own. And I can remember just catching myself smiling and I realized that, and I think we've all caught ourselves in this moment where you just yeah. catch yourself in a moment. And I realized actually that for the first time that I could really remember um, that I was aware of it, I was noticeably more comfortable with myself. Yeah. And I was proud of like the work that I'd put in to get where I was at that stage. I just finished my first year in college studying pharmacy. Um, I was proud of the work that I put in. I was excited about where I was going. And I was really enjoying the people that I was around and the work that I was doing. You know, this this summer living in this rugged place and um, going to be in the outdoors, loads of nature to explore. You know, there was just things were good. And I had no idea that at the end of that summer, about six weeks, eight weeks later, uh, when I went away on a holiday with some of my best friends to Portugal, that on the first day things would change in a massive way for me and on that first day of the holiday like I'd done so many times that day that week that summer I ran down a beach dived into the water over a wave not realizing how shallow it was and my head collided with the sandbank and in that moment I broke my neck and I broke my neck at the fifth vertebrae down and I remember being completely aware of what had just happened and it was almost like an electric shock left the center of my body and went out towards my extremities and I slowly floated up to the surface and I realized that I couldn't move, that I couldn't turn myself over and time kind of slowed down a little bit. Hmm. Um, and I can remember thinking of my parents at home. I can remember thinking of my two sisters. I can remember thinking of our dog, Poppy. I thought about the lads on the beach and I wondered would they get to me before I passed out uh, and if they didn't how would they deal with that yeah, yeah. and you know all of these kind of things are going through your mind and and I was just blown away by how calm I was wow. you know 
I, I, I kind of calm in the initial stages in that this is almost ironic, you know, I'm probably the best trained out of all of my friends to deal with this scenario and yet I find myself in it. Yeah. I have more experience than any of them in the water and yet um, yet I'm the one that finds myself in this situation and and then as I started to run out of oxygen and I realized I was going to have to inhale and that meant water um, I took one mouthful of water in and luckily my friend Stephen turned me over or lifted my head at least um, at that point and, and realized something was very wrong and I woke up the next day in intensive care um, my head in a metal cage with weights hanging off the back of it straightening out my spine I remember counting the eight screws and the light fitting above my head I remember the tubes in my nose and my throat and everywhere, everywhere else in my body and I also then became aware of one of my best mates walking around the bottom of the bed and and he had this like smiling but tear-filled face and um, he couldn't really speak and I had was on a ventilator so I couldn't speak but I just mouthed the words it's going to be okay and I don't really know where that came from but I think I needed to hear that as much as he did okay yeah and um, just to re- reassure that, yourself as well yeah and at some level I think it was an acknowledgement and a nod to the fact that um, you know here I was this was a very severe situation but I was there yeah. but here I was you know and that it, the game wasn't over and um, you're still here yeah yeah yeah, and a couple of other moments that I might just share with you in that two weeks in intensive care before I was air ambulanced home. I spent another couple of weeks in intensive care. I nearly didn't make it actually, but I I pulled through and eventually ended up at rehab. And um, But two other moments, I, I was delirious, you know, from the pain medication and so on. And I couldn't speak, so we, we would use... Um, this board to spell out okay. the things that I wanted to spell so it had the alphabet on it and the lads would run their finger along the alphabet and, and I'd blink at the right letter yeah. and so on yeah. and I came out of this delirious dream and I must have been like Al Pacino in any given Sunday or something <laughs> given, a, given like a pep talk to the team but I came out of this and I just spelled out the phrase victory is forever Wow. and I was still kind of trying to figure out what I meant by that, but I kind of, what what I think my understanding was at the time is like the little wins that we have, the little victories that we have in the small moments and the incremental gains, they're worth celebrating, they're ours, and nobody can take those away. Yeah. And and over time, like that's really all we did is we kept focusing on the smallest little things, and that brought us <laughs> quite away. And another moment that I'll just point you to is that on the plane over to Portugal, I'm not sure what they would find when they arrived. My parents were chatting, and my mum, understandably, was asking like, "Why Jack? Why yeah. would this happen to Jack?" And I think it's completely reasonable. And and I asked that question as well. Um, and I went in and out of that question and I think when shit hits the fan for any of us in our lives 
that's the question we ask why me yeah yeah and that gives you a little bit of breathing space to grieve and to come to terms with things and to go through like uh, those five stages of grief and the loss and so on but my dad responded on the plane and he said well why not jack why should this have happened to anybody else on the beach and that might wow. sound a little bit harsh but you know he was absolutely right and um, he was like in the way of the stoics like confronting reality and it's not that he wanted this to no. happen to him or his family or his son but he was also not denying it and that's powerful. i only powerful. heard about this yeah. yeah i only heard about this a couple of years later and the funny thing was is that that was exactly what i was doing was i was saying why me why not me why me why not me why me and jumping back and forth and it started mostly out as as why me and and then little by little by little the why not me started to emerge and i started to think well when i engage that question of why not me it's it's a cognitive reframe it's it's it allows you to see possibility rather than problems and it allows you to see some of the opportunities that you can create rather than the obstacles that are very real you know um and and so that was really important because like when i did find myself in rehab the reality was is like my first job was to learn to breathe without the aid of a ventilator at 20 um you don't (sighs) expect to find yourself there and then it's like having the umbilical cord cut and literally i was like a child again um except this time i had 15 percent muscle function and uh, that's my shoulders my biceps and wrists and i have to use that muscle function to become as independent uh, uh as i possibly could and and to start to put my life back together and, and that was the journey i've been on um and those as you said those little things those little wins that's, that's going to give you that extra little hope um and when you talked about the child and that child analogy and i've used it in workshops and i know jerry talks a lot about it um uh about and how you said there that you felt like you were you were back as a child but without the no fear which i thought was pretty powerful because you i just said before we went on there you know i run a mama baby program you see kids in there all the time and they're running they're falling and they're throwing things you know um so you were you know you you were nearly sort of physically back to that point but you had the extra fear of what what had happened so um you know that's pretty powerful um but that that little reframing is this little incremental you know eventually those stepping stones will, will kind of you know you know start to to reframe but i think that's that, that's, that's pretty powerful um no thanks thanks for sharing that um and i remember you you said one time i remember you were back to connemara or something and it was you know as i said you faced up and you sometimes you have to face head on into to, to these emotions and you felt and i remember hearing about it before as jerry was someone's talking about it, how you could be in a crowded room and still feel very isolated and very alone um and you know was that kind of your sort of around that 21st i think it was was that really your kind of bottom uh, and then it kind of started to to, to to kind of come up from there yeah absolutely so that summer it was you know coming up to a year later and um i had left rehab after seven months and moved back home and having been in boarding school and then 
moved away uh, for college, you know, I was really close with my family, but, you know, that wasn't what my plan was um, yeah. a couple of months previous, you know, and and I was incredibly dependent on the people around me. Like, I literally couldn't get out of bed without the assistance of people. Um, and here I was very much confronted with that when I moved back home, that this is this is very real. Um, that summer, a lot of my friends went on J1s and things like that. Okay. They went traveling. And that sense of, wow, our paths are very different at the moment became even more real. And I remember we went down the west of Ireland for our first holiday um, away. And this place had represented like such freedom and a place to explore and opportunities and all of those kinds of things. And now it felt like one of the most claustrophobic places that I've ever been because everywhere that was an adventure before was now an obstacle. Like, you know, the sand dunes, the mountains, the the beaches, the the uh, commons ground, you know, the, the places that you want to get to, the water, um, all the places that I wanted to be and explore were now very hard for me to interact with. And at that time, I had nothing figured out and I had none of the equipment or the tools to be able to engage with that world in the way that I do now. And I just felt so isolated and, and claustrophobic and and the grief was so heavy and I really reclused into myself. And I was there with my family and some of our closest friends and it was my 21st birthday and I can just remember feeling completely alone in this room full of people that cared so much about me yeah. and like for days I couldn't really even make eye contact with them because I just didn't want them to see the pain that I was in and you know I thought they might even be scared if they saw where I was at where you are, yeah but you know i couldn't hide it and and it was it was written all over me in my body language in in my the extent to which i wasn't speaking the the extent to which i was had reclused and and the hard thing was is like despite just wanting to be alone and to curl up like an injured animal you know i needed the support of these people yeah, yeah. just to get through my day and i remember getting into the car with my dad and we drove off it was the day of my 21st birthday and we drove off to a beach called Guinness's Beach where I used to, the two of us used to windsurf and um, and we didn't speak for two hours. I just stared out at the water and all of a sudden I just said something along the lines of this is so unfair yeah, and, yeah. and the floodgates opened and the two of us just sobbed, you know, and um and there was kind of a, a realization a little while after that that like you know this is this is rock bottom and and in some ways that's a little bit empowering because they're actually you can't you go know, any lower them yeah the only place to go is up um and so that's kind of the thing and I, you know I, I kind of remember at that stage as well possibly wasn't given credit for just how much the little steps as I said that we were taking 
they were starting to build momentum okay. and I was starting to get confidence as was my family and, and the, the route that we were going down and the trajectory that I was on was starting to tilt back towards getting back to college and that had been a pipe dream a couple of months earlier but it was really taking shape at that stage. Was there any kind of 13 months check or something after Exxon you were back at Trinity and wow. Yeah and, and, and so people were looking on at this saying wow he's 13 months later moved out of home again living away back in college this is like this is a comeback story and yeah. And in so many ways it was, but I think people thought, oh, he's back now, you know, he's, he's, he's all good. It's the same, <laughs> um, yeah, and it's obviously not the same. Uh, and the reality was, is like at that time it was taking, I was so far outside my comfort zone, I was taking three hours and the assistance of two people just to get up and ready for college in the morning. Uh-huh. And I'd be so exhausted by lunchtime that I wouldn't have the energy physically to get back into bed because it was a big enough ordeal at that time and I would just slump over on the table with a pillow and fall asleep and um, and being so far outside my comfort zone was, was hard initially but little by little by little I started to adapt and I started to change my routines and, and being outside my comfort zone stretched me to, to learn how to manage and, and initially to survive it and then to manage and and then you start to really piece things together bit by bit and you realize you know what i need to streamline this process and that process and and what bits of equipment can i do without because i can't have all that if i want to go traveling and you know and gradually you start to refine and and how can i be more independent around the place like like i don't want to have to need support going out for a beer with my friends and you know like and little by little by little wanting to re-engage in my life in different ways um allowed me to push the boat and in a very short period of time relatively um i found myself in a very different place and at that tipping point um and you could almost say it was the christmas that year when i made it through the first term it was an acknowledgement that wow like nobody expected me to no, make it this far it's a massive win uh, like. yeah here we are and it's a huge win and then it shifted to okay now what's possible mm. and and that was like the the big reframe moment in for a whole host of other things that i would go on and do and sort of ch- things that i would challenge and that, that um, sorry to interrupt you there, that growth mindset, Jack, was that something that you developed more afterwards? Had, had you had a bit of that always? or I, I always um, had a little bit of it. I was quite badly dyslexic when I was younger. Okay. And, and um, you know, I had one teacher that bullied me quite badly for that. And, um, and then I had another teacher that that really um, supported me and and it was that second teacher that that really showed me you know these things aren't fixed like you can improve when you work hard at things you can improve and I started to go from being like kind of a problematic young person uh, causing disruption everywhere to uh, and and distracting others not that I was a bad kid um, but Mm. just distracting people um, to a place where um, I was really learning how to grow 
uh, and challenge and learn and fall down and get back up again uh, metaphorically speaking and mm. and I started to realize and it's a phrase that a friend of mine Jerry Duffy would use and I think it sums up so well what my experience was uh, over my teenage years is that life rewards effort yeah. and and that became my experience and the sort of diligence that I learned through my academics and sort of applying myself there as a teenager and through sports and so on to kind of showing up for yourself and okay, showing yeah. up to do to do the work and um, that pays off and that showed kind of I applied that kind of approach with the recovery from the injury yeah and you went on as I said you, you took a trip to my hometown Cambridge I saw that you do some seriously some bench pressing and some this the robot was uh it was pretty it was like an ectoskeleton was it that was pretty uh, amazing look um yeah and then from there you might you might chat about that briefly but also the um you went on then to to make a, an amazing documentary an award-winning documentary um breaking boundaries um and you know, when you were doing things like over in Cambridge and, and the documentary, was that quite cathartic for you when you were kind of making that 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 film? That um, and and the possibilities, I suppose, in Cambridge and the stuff that they are now doing, and um, for people who have spinal injuries, did that give you a bit more hope, Jack? Yeah, you know, I I spoke earlier about that Christmas where we were like, you know, we we made it this far, like now what's possible, and yeah. and the trip to Cambridge to what was a specialist uh, neuro rehab facilitation uh, or facility was was huge because I had always been an athlete, but like when you're a patient, um, uh, people try to wrap you up in bubble wrap. And I always would say like, I'm a person first, yeah. I'm a patient at the moment, um, uh, you know? And, um, and when I got over there, I was greeted in this physio center on the first day by the, the most incredible team led by uh, Andy Galbraith and Andy is this ex a Scottish ex-military guy um, and um, top man and what I loved by this about him was that he was like I hope you're ready to work essentially is what it's he was no saying no bullshit like let's go let's go yeah and but it was in, in a really encouraging and empowering way wow and um, he really showed me, without explicitly saying it, that I could train my whole body. It wasn't just the parts that were working, that I could train my whole body and, and different ways that I could go about that. And that really changed my relationship with my body and began to change my self-image a little bit. Because, you know, when you go from a fit young guy to um, all of a sudden uh, using a wheelchair and you're, you don't have control over your body and you're your body shape starts to change and so on that's very challenging yeah um and and he started to show me how to train different parts of my body and so on and at the end of, he got me back on a rowing machine and that introduced the bit of uh um uh determination and com competition back into me i, I saw that on your face actually you were going for it <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and and i probably had a few kilos to lose at that stage as well so it was doing me good um and um and at, the end, at the end at the end of that week like it culminated in me getting the opportunity to walk in an exoskeleton as you said and that is the piece that people looking on see as being the huge piece but for me the big thing about that was 
standing at standing eye level up. with my dad and being able to give him a hug and that psychological piece was just massive um and yeah in the time after that you know we were kind of little by little challenging all the things that you're told you wouldn't do and and traveling became a big part of that and we a group of friends remembered a promise that we'd made to each other as first year students that before we finished college we would uh, go traveling and it would be a story we could tell our grandkids yeah and and so we went about doing that and and the trip was to do the west coast of america um and the idea said you know let's bring people along for the journey with us and we called it breaking boundaries it became a documentary and and the idea behind the whole thing was that limitations are only perceived and it's not that we're limitless but i think that we do place a lot of limits on ourselves and society places limits on ourselves and um our invite for people i suppose was you know if you change the narrative in your mind ever so slightly from i can't to well maybe i could maybe that's yeah that's that's a big shift you know? isn't it um and and you start opening the door a little crack what might you achieve and nobody expects a guy with 15% muscle function no you've been through a shitstorm already like why would you jump out of a plane and go skydiving or or um uh, surely like it'd be impossible to try something like whitewater rafting and and all these different things that we got involved with um but you know that trip was amazing and if anybody wants to see it they can get it on my website um and and it was just a privilege that that got shown to on national tv multiple times now and um, and when you're hanging out with you're hanging out with you two or something was julia roberts mentioned or something what's going on yeah yeah we ended up backstage at a u2 concert and met uh julia roberts and cameron diaz and lucky and uh some of (laughs) some of the u2 crew and (laughs) uh julia roberts uh, we'd have a few drinks at this stage and julia roberts arrived in across the room and uh i think we were chatting to pierce brosnan at the time and I was just like, see you, Pierce. Yeah, um, I'm off. James um, Bond, I'm off. Yeah, I'm on a, I'm on a mission. <laughs> and, and like, um, I, I don't know, I think it was just one or two uh, beers that got the better of me. And uh, I found myself making my way across the room towards her. And I said, uh, I said, hello, pretty woman. And Oh, no <laughs> way. Yeah. and She's uh, like, that's she the first time it. anyone said that to me, did she say? <laughs> yeah she was like i've never heard that before no we had a right we had a right laugh and she is she is so nice we had such good chat and uh you know it's a good it's a it's a really feel good um story and if anybody wants to see the documentary you can check it out it sounds like an amazing adventure and and you know and the friends i suppose came with you i suppose cathartic for them as well and for you to have that experience yeah and you talk about the idea of catharsis and it really was because for us in a lot of ways it was and we say it in the documentary it was the end of one chapter and the beginning of something new yeah um because i wasn't the only one that had been through this you know my family and my friends and the people around us we'd all been through this together um and and it was real moments of of victory as yeah. we to to allude to earlier you know um where we we started to really engage in what might be possible for for us and and for for the people with the right support and the people around us you know 
no that's that's amazing and i went to have to register i was trying to find out and i said now you can get it through your uh, website i love uh, someone i know who's watched it said it was it was very powerful so i know you're kind of tied for time jack but i just want to last question really um we'll wrap it up the power of choice and, and i go we, you mentioned it i think before um on a, a podcast or something i listened to over the weekend um and you know we can link that with Viktor Frankl and, and Man's Search for Meaning, which I'm sure you know you're a big fan of as well. The, the power of choice, and it could have easily, you know, you know I'm sure you obviously had had those down points, but go the other way. Um, um, just maybe talk talk about that and how that's now the choices and the wins and the the the, the, the things you've done since that um, has you know opened up you know opportunities and you know and. And now you know you're. I saw you on the beach there on your hand cycle, which is class-like, um, and you've opened up all these doors. So, what about that power of choice and the fact that us as humans we have that that differentiates us between animals and things. We have a we have a conscious choice. Yeah, it's it's you know it's huge, and we we can't overstate this. Is that so often in in life we we face circumstances and and we don't believe that we have a choice um, we might not have a choice uh, in, in, in the same way as we would like but we certainly do have choices um, in the way that we respond and you know you for me I became very aware of this because I faced so many obstacles in a, in a given day at the beginning that I had to choose to say yes I can uh, I will try I will give it a go I will fight on um, rather than say no I can't it's too hard I'll give up and there were certainly days when they came out and they were the choices but yeah. more days than not in the little moments and it might happen 10 times or 100 times in a day that you choose to say okay I'm going to face this moment as hard as it is and I'm going to embrace yes I'm going to embrace I can I'm going to embrace I'll give it a go I'm going to remain open and gonna you know these kinds of things um when you start to notice that that's available to you yeah it's huge and um victor frankel talks about uh the there's a gap you know and in that gap lies our freedom to choose and and in so doing is is our freedom and it is it is true when you start to grasp it that it's in those little moments where we make choices that either enable or disable ourselves ultimately. Yeah. And that's the way that I was really looking at it was I either disable myself by the choices or I en- enable myself. Yeah. Uh, and that's huge, you know, when you start to grasp that in different contexts of your life. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And that gap is... And it can be an amazing spot, that gap between the event and your response and what you do in the middle. And as you said, you've done some amazing things and just want to acknowledge and, and thank you for having, you know, to coming on. And, you know, I've been, as I said, stalking you over the weekend. And, uh, you know, I am, you know, I came, as I said, I came out a better, better human being. I was laughing, smiling, crying, you know, it was all in there. But it is powerful, not only, you know, you know, how you've obviously overcome such a, a life changing thing, but now, you devote your life to, to helping others fulfill their own potential in groups and and, and in corporations and, and in talks and, and podcasts and, and how, you know, that, that life of service now and how you provide that is something I try to do as well. And just acknowledge and, and thank you for, for being you. And, um, you know, I've only just connected with you over the last couple of months. So I'm looking forward 
to the, the the next few months of our you know our mastermind group, which is going to be pretty pretty special. Um, so uh, Mike, thanks, Mike, Jake. I really appreciate that, and and it's uh, it's so heartwarming to see what you're doing as well and the community that you've created. So um, you know you're you're spreading the ripples in in a very very similar way. Appreciate that, man, and uh, best of luck. And uh, we'll go cycling with the beach at, in up in your uh, place at some stage, please God. We will. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely to speak to you, dude. All right, man. Take it easy and enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you. Well, guys, um, blown away by that. Blown away by Jack. What an amazing uh, human being. I've learned a lot from him um, and even just looking into his life over the, the, the weekend. Um, you know, it's inspired me. I'm sure it's going to inspire you. Um, please uh, share and tag and just we want to get this to as many people as possible I think it's going to inspire so many people um, and you know rate it on Apple Podcasts tag it on your story um, I'll pop in in the notes where you can find Jack um, on Instagram and, and so on and at his website Breaking Boundaries um, his documentary award winning um, you have to see that and yeah yeah, delighted to have Jack on, and that's episode 35 done, and what better way to mark 35? Uh, no, really great, and hope you enjoyed it, and I'll speak to you very soon. Take care, guys. Bye-bye.